Welcome to the Warning Track Power Hour. I'm Andrew Scan. He's Mike Werman. Uh, today, again, the Royals are still relegated until deep in our show because they had another one in five weeks since our last one in four, mm-hmm. one in five, whatever. Terrible. Not good. I, I predicted them actually to get to 20 wins by this point, and they're still at 18. Not close. 18, 18 and, is it 1843 right now? Or 18 and... yeah, sounds right. Not good. Not good. But we'll get to that. We'll talk a little bit of the NFL later, too. Uh, but we'll start today with the uh, NBA and NHL playoffs uh, underway now in the finals. Um, so we'll start with the NBA. And sure. uh, the Nuggets and Heat are now 1-1, which means my projected sweep is now already lost. Well, you're... I think four to one, I think was your I yeah, I predicted yeah, the Nuggets in five. So if the Nuggets win out, I'm okay. But yeah. um, I guess I will be but closer. The Nuggets to drop one at home now. Are you worried about your pick at this point right now? Are you worried that you will not be correct now? Not be correct in terms of who wins or in terms of number yeah. of games. Number of games. Um I I I say it's probably 50-50. In terms of number of games, um, I think, I think the um, Nuggets probably, I think they'll still win the series. I, I'm probably like, I'd say, eighty five percent confident they'll win the series. Yeah, and so I would say, um, yeah, fifty fifty probably, probably uh, to win the next. Three because at least one one of them is still going to be back. So if they if they win two in Miami, and then they'd come back to Denver, right? Or is it or is it a two three two? This... Yeah, I think it's two two one one one, right? Yeah, so I think they'd win Game Five in Denver, but I could see it going six though. I I I would I I wouldn't be surprised if it does that. So that's why I think yeah probably fifty fifty. Um, if Jokic or somebody important on. Um, uh, the Nuggets gets hurt, you know things change, but as they That's stand, really as they stand now, I think, I you know even though I yeah the the Nuggets, you look at the stats, the Nuggets were kind of bad um, in Game Two, and they still only lost by three. So mm-hmm. I would say, you know even even if they have a bad game, their bad game is about comparable to a pretty good game that. Um, Miami plays. Uh, yeah, 111-108 was a you know a close game. Jokic had a lot of points, but not a lot of assists like he normally does. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's hard to say. You know, um, hard to say what will happen exactly. But I'm still confident. How about you? Do you think um, is there any reason to waver from your uh, pick of at least an easy-ish victory for? The Nuggets? Um, well, I still think the Nuggets will win. I don't think it's going to go four now, though. So I think it's going to have to go more than four, Mike. That's my standing <laughs> by this new, you know, rule that uh, has to go more than four games. So, uh, yes, my revised pick would probably be six is what I would say now. Okay. Well, I guess the, the Heat did better uh, with Kevin Love in the starting lineup uh, this round. I, I thought maybe he was hurt, but he just was like you. Like he was just a um, uh, been sitting on the bench most of the time. But um, 
uh, when they put him in as a starter, they did a lot better. But he only played 22 minutes, loved it, but he got a lot of rebounds. Um, he started instead over Caleb Martin, who had been the starter. But uh, yeah, the Jews. Uh, one, one of the things that was kind of interesting from the difference between game one and two was the Heat only got only took two free throws, I think, in the entire game. And then game two, they got to the foul foul line 20 times so that was back back to basically even with denver for that game is that is two foul shots not enough for a game or does it matter does that matter at all i don't think it matters a lot but was the foul discrepancy do you think just bad officiating or was denver just not fouling as much I maybe it's just that Denver wasn't like there weren't a lot of close like under the basket shots and usually you foul when you drive or you're like at least close in if you're shooting threes you you like which is what most teams do now in the NBA um, mm-hmm. with Jokic on a team you're you're gonna have as a as your main player he's gonna be um, you know involved in more free throws and stuff like that even though he's he also can shoot a three but he's he does stuff inside too so. Um, I guess, you know, Kevin Love played more than he had been. And even though Love's a big guy, he's always on the outside until he has to get a rebound, then he goes in. But he's, you know, he kind of hangs, he's like a point uh, center type of player, it seems like. So he's not, he's not really a physical player. But um, yeah, I don't, yeah, that's unusual to have it, have that big of discrepancy. What about the number of fouls caused, called overall? Was that a, Game two was uh 22-21 fouls. Okay. So, like... Um, Miami had one more foul called against them than Denver did. In game... That's pretty even. So, I think it just kind of... It was just oh, where the fouls were when they were called rather than... There were... There were um It was 15 fouls for Miami called, you know, infractions Miami, you know, created, I guess, right? 15 fouls for Miami, eight for Denver in game one. So more fouls called in game two. They called a lot more fouls in game two. But you wonder if, is that, is that, are they getting more physical or is that just the game was called tighter? Yeah. It's the same. Is it this, is it the same officiating crew for the whole I think for the series, the finals, I think they have the same crew. Yeah. yeah. Did you see that? Um, uh, Jeff Van Gundy, the uh, former former uh, NBA coach now analyst, was uh, upset when he saw um, uh, Kevin Love, and uh, it was uh, Gabe Vincent. Uh, they they hugged each other during the game. Did you see that or during the game? Yeah, they uh, apparently Love uh, didn't see Vincent for a wide open uh, three point attempt. And to apologize, uh, he hugged uh, Vincent, lugged it, or they hugged each other. Uh, uh, Jeff and Gundy thought that was a little surprising. They should have just pointed at each other or, or something like that, but they actually... Should have, uh, they should have been screaming at each other rather than being friendly. Yeah. Well, I think if your last name is Love, uh, yes. hugging is probably part of what you do. But they're on the same team, though, so it's not like he was like hugging the opposing team. Yeah. Yeah. After they missed a shot, consoling them for a missed shot or something, right? 
Yeah. Or like love blocks someone's shot and then gives them a hug for like you know to not mm-hmm. show up too much. What if he did that? Would Van Gundy be upset with that too? More Probably. so or less so. Less so. maybe. Well Jeff Van Gundy apparently also went on a kind of a hug rant uh, in twenty eighteen. He said oh. um I wish there was a little bit more contact because I think contact would bring more conflict. What we're missing is conflict in the league. People exchanging jerseys after games, the unending hugs. It's hard to find a true nasty rivalry. Yeah. Is that, that yeah, that's what to be I the case. A lot, of, a lot of like old players, old coaches anyway, like really dislike the um lack of hatred between teams. That seems always seems surprising to me. I think part of that is that people change teams much more than they used to. Yeah. And so they, and they, and they know, and I guess probably with social media and things like that, you know, the people, you know, you just know people from other teams more than you would otherwise, even if you weren't switching teams with them, you can, you know, see what these people, you know. Well, they're always looking at future potential teammates too, even like, you know, if they. That's true. You know, you probably don't want to be have bad blood with players that you may end up playing with later. Yeah, and a lot of them probably also played with or against each other, like in high school or AAU basketball, and then college. And they have, if you have like, you know, international kind of teams and stuff like that that you get on and things like. So I think there's just much more contact between players. You see that in basketball, but you see that you see that in other other sports. Yeah, I think too. Um, there's more interaction and less isolation among teams you don't yeah. have like those uh pistons bulls kind of hatred or or things like that yes billing beer and uh right. you know, punching people on the on the bulls or things like that when Dennis Rodman... actually, this actually leads into a, a thing i was going to bring up in this segment anyway was hmm. about recruiting players during off seasons so this contact between players, you know, friendly contact between players, um, actually is a nice transition to this. Um, did you see the report that apparently Kyrie Irving reached out to LeBron, trying to bring him to Dallas to play with Doncic? Oh no, I, what, I had heard. What do you think of that combo of players in Dallas? Well, well I think well Dallas didn't make the playoffs, so. They were in playoff position. They traded for Kyrie Irving, and they fell outside of playoffs. Yes, I had heard somewhere maybe that LeBron wanted to play with Kyrie again, and maybe bring Kyrie to the Lakers mm-hmm. uh, again. Has he been on the Lakers? I thought he was, and then he left. Mm-hmm. I can't remember where Kyrie's been. Uh, was was the last time he was with LeBron? Was that in Cleveland? In Cleveland, yeah. And then Kyrie ended up um, on the Nets next with Durant yeah yeah I, I was trying to think about where he was with with LeBron last um, yeah in, in Cleveland yeah so he played Cleveland until 2017 and then Celtics yeah. for a couple of years Nets for three years and then last half season or whatever with partial season yeah post trade deadline yeah with the Mavericks and yeah I had heard that maybe LeBron has been talking about retirement, even though mm-hmm. on this program we talked about how he, he had wanted to play with Bronny James. Yeah. And it seems like that's weird to talk about retirement, right? You know, when you've been talking the last while about 
playing with your son when he comes up. So I don't I don't know if his retirement talk is genuine or not. But no. yeah, that would be. What do, what do you think of the uh, potential Mavericks uh, having LeBron? Is LeBron's contract up, or what? Can he? He can kind of do whatever I think he wants. They have an opt out, but yeah, I think he has to. They have to like do something with his contract. I think this year. So. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would like if he's if he's going to leave the Lakers, like it would be nice if he, we would have done this with Cleveland too, if he would have, you know, agreed to engineering a trade so that the team that he's leaving isn't left decimated by all the moves that he's yeah, asked for um cuz you know, they usually don't have a lot of draft picks um because they end up trading away players to try to trade away picks to try to get players to try to make a title run. And so like he left Cleveland in pretty bad shape, which took them like three or four seasons to like build back to having a, you know, near playoff team. You know, it'd be nice if on his way out, he would agree to a trade so that some of that capital could come back. So he's not leaving them so empty. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, I, I would prefer to see something like that happen with, you know, you know him so he's like thinking about you know the team that he's leaving not you know leaving it so decimated anyway um, yeah that would be i think that would be it would be something different in, in lebron hasn't played for the mavericks yet so i guess that's a, that would be a new team in a new yeah. area he's, he's i guess he's he's played for the Cavs twice the heat and the lakers uh mm-hmm. so he's been and he's been with the lakers like the last five seasons at least maybe six seasons so yeah. um they did they did win a title in the uh, in the bubble. So uh if that you know I is... think he'd have I think he'd probably have a better chance of winning if he jumped to the Mavericks, not because of Kyrie, but just because um Luka Doncic is one of the you know top mm-hmm. players and he could handle a lot of the ball carrying and um the kind of stuff that LeBron kind of had to do for the Lakers, even though really that's, you know, that's, he's a great passer, but like, you know, you want him not to have to worry about like all of the all point of guard the duties probably. Yeah. Yeah. Having to control all of the game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's, yeah, he's a, he's, he can be a guard, but he's more at home. I think if he's um, three, four, five, somewhere in there. Yeah, if he's at least a small forward, and yeah. he's you know able to pass like he's not, but he's not the primary passing player. So I guess that you would say, well, if Kyrie went to um, the Lakers, it would kind of be like that. But Kyrie I, Irving is, I if I if I were LeBron, I'd probably rather just say, well, maybe we can ship Kyrie Irving to the Lakers. I can go play for the Mavericks with Luka Doncic, and then. We'll figure the other stuff. Else, yeah, it doesn't matter. Because I don't know what I don't know what Irving adds really to a team at this point in his career, other than just insanity. Yeah, yeah. The media circus that comes around with him, I think, is what what he, most of what he brings to the, to the to the team, right? Yeah, he's hasn't. Yeah, he he's he's still a good player, I think, but he's. You know he's well, he's scored twenty seven points a game the last five seasons basically. So he's a yeah. um really good player still, but he's 
yeah, he is a yeah, like I said, you said that he brings the service with him. If he could tone down some of his like just dumb ideas, like and yeah. and, and and sort of just going off randomly and his pontificating, I think the team would be all right. He's a little he's a little more like a kind of extreme version of Aaron Rodgers, I I think. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of was because I think I Irving is thinks he's really smart. Because he went to because he went to Duke for like one year, uh, but you know he was, his, I don't know if he's still a flat earther or not. But I think he he kind of suffers the same thing because Rogers thinks Aaron Rodgers thinks he's really smart too. But I think he's usually in a room with people that aren't that smart, so he thinks I'm the smartest guy in the room. But he's not in like smart rooms usually. Right. And I think I think Kyrie Irving suffers from some of that as well so there's like a skewed view of what um like smartness is what smart and not smart is yeah yeah so it's it's um interesting but yeah i i you know i i think that would be a good that would be good for lebron i don't know if it'd be good for the lakers but it would be yeah uh, it would be good for james and good for them and i'm sure mark cuban would be ecstatic that his uh his investment would be. He may be able to engineer something like that. Mm-hmm. Do you think that would actually would they, would they be a contender immediately in the East, or would they be in the West? Do you mean they are in the West, aren't they? No, they're in the yeah. East, aren't they? Mavericks are in the West. Are they? Both, both Texas teams are in the West. All three Texas teams are in the West. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they'd be. I don't know. It would, make, it would sort of make Texas the center of. Uh, the NBA with uh, Mumiana uh, in uh, as the number one pick next year. Yeah, in San Antonio, right? Houston. Um, I'm not sure what the Rockets are ex- are doing exactly, but yeah, they're way down there in the uh, in the standings. Also, not making the playoffs. Yeah, yeah all three. None of, I, yeah, none of the Texas teams made the playoffs this past. I wonder when the last time. That was three teams from a single state did not make a playoff, or three teams from Texas did because, or I guess they're, like, we have three. I guess it doesn't matter. Right? Are there three are there, other teams in another state? Oh, I guess California has California has Clippers, Lakers, and Warriors, and Kings, and Kings. There are four teams in the yeah, yeah. yeah four Sacramento yeah four teams in California, three in Texas. Yeah, just yeah. So all four California teams made the made the playoffs this year. Hmm. I wonder. Well, yeah, that's zero of three Texas teams made the playoffs. I'm just gonna look that up real quick. That does seem pretty surprising. There had never been an NBA playoffs without Texas team representation since 1976, hmm. when the when the ABA merged the NBA and the Rockets and the Spurs entered the league. So there had never been that before. So I guess this is the first time. And you would think that's statistically, that's probably you would get at least one of those teams usually just because more than half the teams make the playoffs and, you know, you'd have to have all three of the 
teams not in the playoffs. Out of the, like, there's 30, I guess there are 30 teams, are there 30 teams in the NBA? So seven, out of the seven that don't make the playoffs in the in the West, three of them. And and a few years before oh, that, it would have been. Because of the uh, the play-in tournament, you know, oh, 10. None of them even. Yeah, yeah maybe not, only five don't. Yeah. Does this this play does this play in count as playoffs for the NBA? Well, I mean, the only ones that are out fully out of the playoffs are the five teams that you know don't participate in that. And none of them were even in the play in games, were they? Yeah, none of, yeah, yeah. Mavericks were one were eleventh. Houston and and uh, San Antonio were fourteen and fifteen. Oh yeah, so okay, um, it didn't even yeah yeah. I'm sure that's the only. Yeah, that's got to be hard. Yeah. So, yeah, that's um yeah, I I would ima- I would imagine at least two of the so if LeBron happened to join the, the Mavericks, I would say there's a guarantee probably of two uh of the three in the top ten with uh the Spurs getting yeah. the lottery winning the lottery, but you never know. But I yeah, what do you think do you think that's likely to happen or what do you, what do you think uh LeBron's team's gonna look like next year? Is he going to be on the Lakers? Is he going to be someplace else? Yeah, I think he'd be more likely to stay with the Lakers than move, would be my guess anyway. But again, that doesn't really mean a whole lot because he can do whatever he wants pretty much. So if he has a whim that he wants to get somewhere else, then mm-hmm. probably going to do it, right? Yeah, it says James has two years left on his contract, owed $46.9 million next season. And then he has a fifty point six million player option for next year. So uh, he's seems like he's got two more years at least. Well, for, um, the Lakers. But yeah, it seems like a lot of stuff has that Kyrie Irving was interested in, in teaming up with James and Dallas. Um, there was, I guess, you could bet on what team you thought LeBron would play for. Next season, yeah. and one of the sports books like stopped that uh, betting. Uh, the Mavericks had been plus one thousand, but then um, uh, they said uh, one of the books said we were just starting getting hammered on the Mavericks for LeBron's next team. So we went up to ten to one, eight to one, and it ended up being three to one. And now it's Mavericks plus one twenty uh, next year. So. That is almost one to one, or two, almost two to one odds. Um, that that's where he'll be. Which is oh, yeah. What what um, what's number two on the list then for likely? I guess the I guess the Lakers, Lakers is, is like leaving the Lakers oh, to go somewhere else. Okay, so it says next team odds. So I guess Maybe if not the it's 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 if not the Lakers. Yes. Yeah. So it's I see Dallas plus one twenty. Cleveland plus 500, the Warriors plus 500, Philly plus 700, Phoenix plus 800, Knicks plus 800, Clippers plus 900, Heat plus 1,000, and then it's you know, a few other teams. But... Yeah, because you, you'd think that the – I'd heard that about the possibility of him joining the Warriors, but Durant already did that. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think that, he would, that LeBron would want to do that because – you know, someone else already did that once, right? And that team yeah. would be pretty up there age-wise, too. And he's kind of already done the old guy team 
before too, and that didn't go that well a couple years ago with the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think maybe he wouldn't want to do that. Would LeBron want to go to? Uh, I get well, Phoenix doesn't have room for him. I think would he want to join Durant? Uh, somehow they have they they yeah. haven't played together. Yeah, right. You'd think that they, if they could make it work, I think they probably would. Right? They're I think they're friendly, right? So I thought so, but I don't. Yeah, Phoenix is plus eight hundred, so they were on the list. Yeah, um, as the one, two, three, or fifth, the fifth highest or fifth lowest odds after. After, um, yeah, not including the Lakers. That seems like that would be the, probably the most interesting place because that team should be pretty good. But it depends on what they would have to give up in order to fit LeBron into it. Yeah, like so. salary, salary stuff, and yeah. yeah, I don't, I, I don't understand how the NBA salary system really works. It seems like they have the luxury tax and they have all these other things that they can. Yeah, league, league veteran veteran maximum and things like that super that are max and super max contracts super, and yeah, it's it's I don't I don't yeah I don't follow the NBA financial society as much as I like do the NFL yeah or even baseball and yeah it's yeah so that's a little unknown to me yeah. but um you want to want to switch over to uh, the NHL. We're also in the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, you, right, I think I picked the Florida Panthers to beat the Vegas Golden Knights in seven games. I think you had done the opposite, but for the Knights, or did you pick the Knights in six? I think Knights in six is what I had. Yeah, Knights in six. Well, right now your bet is looking better. The Knights have won the first two, although they've both been at home. So, you know, if the home team just holds serve, uh, you know, it will go seven but the knights have been pretty dominant in their wins they won five two in game one seven two in game two do you think you feel confident about your pick right now or do you think things will change yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't change my pick right now i'd I'd leave it at knights and six uh but yeah the in the first game i think was closer than the score probably showed too like it was it was two two pretty late in the game and then you know the knights got a couple of goals and then an empty netter to end it but mm-hmm. uh but game two was not very close <laughs> i think the knights no. got to really lead and then just kind of cruised out to finish the game uh but yeah no i think i think they're you know they're in very good position right now would you change your pick from the florida and hmm. seven or, or do you leave it there well, for because it's still home team has been winning the game so far. So I, I don't know if I I don't know if I changed, but I was just reading that um since I guess the late eighties or maybe maybe since the late seventies, since the expansion era they, they're saying. So I guess the sixties late sixties, seventies, um yeah. teams that go up two oh in the Santa Cup finals, they were thirty one and three oh, wow. in the finals. So that's a very big margin for being up to 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 nothing uh, but um you might i guess you might remember though that in the first round of, of the of the stanley cup playoffs boston was up 3-1 over the panthers and the panthers won 4-3 so 
Panthers right. can come back. And I would say you'd probably still say, well, Boston's a better team than Vegas, even though they, you know, in the regular season, they kind of proved that even though they, they, they ended up losing in the first round, they were the, the kind of cream of the, uh, the crop in the NHL this year. And so I would say, you know, I, if I were, um, I'd say if I were the Panthers, if you win the next two, I wouldn't worry about a whole lot. If, it, yeah. if you're down three, one again, there's time to worry, but you know, they could do it, but yeah, I would. I I wouldn't start. To, I'm not going to start to worry really unless they go down, three zero or three one. So I don't mind my pick right now. Still, I yeah. if I had to change it, I'd probably change it if I could one way or the other. Just because, well, they're up by two, it'd be kind of dumb not to pick the team that's up two zero to win. Yeah, you know, two two out of uh two out of five. The next five, yeah. But would you, would you just switch it to? Just switch the winner, but keep the seven games. Is that what you? Is that your? <laughs> what you, if you were to change it, you just swap. Yeah, who you had winning it in the seven? Well, game? maybe I don't know. I don't know what I'd do. You know, but I would. I'm, I'm just a keep away way it is. But yeah, if I had to make a bet, I would say. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I would. I would. I would pick. I would go with the Knights, but I'm. I'm just. I'm just to to keep you, uh, from losing. I'm. I'm going to stick with the. I'm gonna stick with the Panthers because all my picks have been wrong, and you wanted me to pick before you picked, so you will you can still have <laughs> the uh, the Knights pick, and I and I won't taint it uh, yes. uh, for you. You could just you could just yeah make it really murky at least anyway, right? That'd be yeah. the, uh, the risk. And then somehow they, there's like a labor stop it labor stoppage, and then they, they don't finish the Stanley Cup because they go on strike or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> that that'd be that'd be a good thing to bet on if that was a possibility. <laughs> you have that, yeah, yeah. Or the uh, uh, someone steals the Stanley Cup and they can't award it personally. <laughs> that'd be great. Yeah, but no, I, I'm I'm I'm, just, I'm not as confident as I was. I wasn't that confident going in, but I would say yeah. I don't think. I don't think the Panthers are out of it. We'll see. I think their next game is Wednesday. Or is it Thursday? It is the next the NBA plays tomorrow night, game three mm-hmm. in Miami. The NHL game two is Thursday night uh in Florida. Okay, so the the the, the Stanley Cup won't resume until after we air on Thursday. It'll right. be we'll have three games under the um under our belts with the NBA. So Ideally, I guess we would say, well, for me anyway, both of these series would be two to one after, uh, yes, after three games. And I guess it can't be any other way in the NBA. It's going to be, it's going to be right. two, one. Although I would pref- two to one. <laughs> Although I, pref- I would pre- we both, I guess, would since we both picked the Nuggets, I guess we both predict prefer the Nuggets to be up right. to. One, yeah, I don't, you know, I think we'd also prefer that the Royals would win a few games more than they've won. Jeez. They won one game this week, I think they went one and four. I think because we had they, they had the double day off, so they they, four, they had the yeah. they were one and four. I had thought, you know, I here I thought maybe they could go three and two because they're playing um the Rockies and sub 500. And the Marlins, about five hundred, but not that far above five hundred. Mm-hmm. 
they were sub 500 when it came to Pythagore- Pythagorean or run, runs runs scored versus runs allowed record. And we thought, yeah. well, maybe they're they're due to come, come back to earth. But no, when you play the Royals, uh, it's you know it's a good series for your for your guys. The only team that's worse in the entire major leagues is the Oakland A's, who have won twelve games now. Twelve. They won their thirteenth tonight. Thirteen. Okay, so they're only five behind the Royals in the in the win column. But do remember that Oakland did take two of three from Kansas City when they faced. Each other. <laughs> Yeah, I remember. Yeah, we were kind of before we went on the air today. We were talking about the 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 Major League Baseball draft is going to come in July this year. It used to always be in June, but the, the Royals are going to have I think the eighth pick right. in the MLB draft. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more since we'll look more at the draft. You know, baseball draft is a little strange. Because Compared, to, you know, especially compared to the NBA or the NFL, where you want when you draft somebody, you expect them to um, be on your team and be a solid contributor the next year. And with baseball, it's often three years, probably is a very short period, and then mm. or five, six years sometimes that it takes to actually make the majors and contribute. And we were talking about how the the I mentioned that it's since 2016. The top two drafted players by the Royals, one pit, one pitcher, one one uh, position player, were Brady Singer, who has been worth five point two wins above replacement since his draft in twenty eighteen, and you your favorite cumulative though too cumulative yeah. cumulative, and then your favorite Nicky Lopez, um, his draft, uh, he has been four point nine WAR since I think twenty seven sixteen twenty sixteen draft, but yeah, he's they've been the most valuable drafted players in the last seven or eight years. So that's not so good. Whit Merrifield was the last really solidly drafted uh, player. That was 2010, I believe. So yeah. it's, it's been a while since the Royals have had good draft picks that have really contributed. So and Mer- and Merrifield know. was a late bloomer, too. So like he didn't make it to the majors until... He was 27, I think. Yeah, it was after the, it was after the World Series run. So I think he did in 2016 was when he made the majors. Um, And he was a college senior, I think, when they drafted him in 2010. So, yeah, he was about 20, yeah, 27 probably when he, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think maybe in the next couple of weeks we'll discuss the draft, the Royals draft results maybe a little bit more. You take a trip down um, memory lane or... Not, not so not a, a not necessarily pleasant uh memory lane that we'll see the but it's Royal somehow not history. nearly as bad about than talking about the Royals how they're and how they're playing right now. So, <laughs> this, yeah, the this, Royals is have, stretch. this is a tough season to be a Royals fan. It's bad. They are I think 13 games out of first place already. And that's with a that's with Minnesota only being 31 and 30 right now. So they're barely above 500. It's like you know, this if the Royals were halfway decent, they would be in the division race. And yes, they're not or, even half. Or if you want to look at the other way, they would be twenty-five games back of Tampa right now if they were in the in the AL East. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of games already. This part of the season, we aren't even half. We aren't halfway through it yet. We're forty percent of the way through the season, almost maybe. But yeah, it's it's going to be a long 
a long summer, it seems like you think that the fountain pass is going to, are you going to, are you going to take advantage of that? Are they going to lower the price to make it like, what was I the, what was the price? What was the price of the fountain pass? Was it? Was it like, was it only like 20 bucks or something or 50, 50 bucks? I think. Yeah. And like you could, you could have gone to 20, I think games in May or something like that. Well, yeah, like two dollars uh, fifty cents. Maybe that maybe it was fifty dollars. Maybe that's what it was. Your Rose Fountain Pass. Oh, it's only forty dollars a month. That might have gone down. Well, the attendance for today's game, um, this is in Miami, though. You know, Miami is uh, tie just out of first in the East, two and a half games back. Attendance in Miami was seventy three hundred people for today. Ooh. The Royals are getting more than that, at least. I think, yeah, I think the Royals may have had more. The Royals at home, I think the Royals at home, 9,000-something was the lowest that they've had this year at a game. So Sunday's game against the Rockies was a 2 nothing shutout. And the attendance for that game was... It was a Sunday game, not a... It was 13,000. Ooh, for a Sunday afternoon game? Yeah. Was the weather bad on Sunday in Kansas City? It was pretty nice. <laughs> it was yeah, pleasant. That's, yeah, that's not so good. Yeah, so the, you can buy a fountain pass right now for $39.99. Standing room only if you can find it. And I'm pretty sure you can find a spot. Yeah. I wonder if it's down because we're kind of far we're into June right now, maybe at the beginning of June it was fifty, but I thought I thought it was like fifty. Maybe it was, I didn't realize it was only forty dollars. But that's pretty cheap. You still aren't thinking of the fountain, fountain pass? I'm not. No, not at all. <laughs> Might go to a game, probably. I could see. I could go to a game here or there, but uh, nothing planned anyway. Nothing plan. <laughs> You're working hard. You have the you have one truck power hour to uh, uh, keep busy with. That's true. And yeah, I don't I don't know what else to say about the the Royals or. Uh, baseball in general. I guess we talked a little bit. Of, we, we might talk a little bit about the number one prospect in Major League Baseball, Ailey De La Cruz of the Cincinnati Reds, made his debut tonight. I think he at least got on base a couple times. He had a double. He's already been more successful in his very brief Major League career than some Royals have been. I think. Yes. You. Do you see so and he, and he um made his debut hitting the cleanup spot too, which I think is interesting. Ooh. Yeah. Uh Dela Cruz is a, a Dominican uh prospect, one twenty one years old, six foot five, two hundred pounds. Sort of reminds me a little bit of like Vladimir Guerrero type in terms of like tall um creative player like that. I don't know, maybe just his body type and um, Caribbean, and yeah, you know, but he was a uh, yeah. He I don't I don't know if he'll change uh, what's going on in the National League in the Central race, but it seems like all the National League teams are fairly bunched together. There's there hasn't really been a lot of separation. So like even the worst team in the National League uh, right now, I think, is the Cardinals. They're still seven games. Of where the Royals would be, so it's 
Yeah, it's not looking good right now in Kansas City for baseball. Yeah, I guess we have a couple. Uh, is there more interleague play between the Royals and the Cardinals? Um, I'm not sure, but I can find out here pretty quick. Looks like yeah, in August, 11th and 12th, the Cardinals will play at the Royals. Okay, there you go. Yeah, right now the Royals, I guess, are, are are one and one against the Cardinals. They haven't. They almost. They almost perfect game had a perfect game, um, but they still had a, a shutout. But they, they've still only won one out of the two. So yeah. I don't know if you're. I guess if you're a St. Louis fan, you're in last place and you're not feeling so great. But could be a Royals fan right now. So they're doing better than than the Royals are. I don't. I don't, I don't really have much else to say about how terrible the Royals have been. But yeah, I guess could, could one player turn things around for the Royals? Like if they really hit on a star, a prospect, like we thought maybe that would be Bobby Witt Jr., but he hasn't really been able to get on base enough to really contribute. Yeah. Um, flashes of being pretty good all around, but it doesn't seem like he's had a lot like you know, multiple game stretches where he's playing like that all the time. seems like he's been, he'll make a defensive error or get caught stealing or something will kind of negate something else that he had done well in that same game. So it's, yeah, hard to. Yeah. He's still only 22 years or 23. This is 22. He'll be 23 in this June. He'll be 23 in a little, in a week or two. So he's still very young. And I, I don't and think the, um, the team is doing him any favors, too, by where they've been putting him in the lineup. And it isn't uh, probably helping the team or him yeah. get better. I guess one of the problems is, as well, the Royals don't have enough players to protect him in the lineup, even if he was down at seven or something like that. But right. it's it seems like the Royals can't hit really well. They can't pitch very well. Fielding, they're... So, As so. judged by tonight, they had a lot of errors. Uh, so it's been a it's 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 been what what like what was the uh, baseball? It's a simple game. You you hit the ball, you catch the ball, you throw the ball. It's a simple game um, in Bull Durham, and <laughs> and maybe they have maybe they'll have to have a a, a managerial uh, shooting out session where. Uh, you, know, you lollygag the ball. You lollygag the first. Lollygags. What does that make you? Lollygaggers. I don't, do you remember that? Do you remember that movie? That's those scenes. No, not really. No, I've seen okay. it, but I can't remember most of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. That would be more of a major league guy than a Bull Durham guy. Yeah, I, I prefer major league Bull Durham as well, probably. But I like Bull Durham's a good movie. They had a lot of very good baseball movies, late '80s, early '90s. With yeah. uh, a few little dreams and Bull Durham and Major League, even Major League Two, I'm also fond of. I don't know if you're as fond of Major League Two as I am, but it was good. Yeah. The Natural was a little earlier. Naturally, yeah, early eight, eighty three. That's a very good, good baseball movie. Eight Men yeah. Out's not bad either. Yeah, Cobb was okay. It was pretty good. Did you see the Babe yeah. Ruth, uh, Babe movie with John Goodman as Babe Ruth? Yeah, that was all right. Yeah, yeah. What was the one with Kevin Costner for love of the game when he uh, was the aging 
pitcher who was throwing a perfect game or no hitter. That was a good movie. That was a pretty good movie. Yeah, they made some good baseball movies. Yeah. But yeah, it's been a while. I haven't seen I haven't, yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, I haven't seen any for a while, yeah. Baseball's not part of the American consciousness. I guess Matt Moneyball was probably the last baseball movie that was that was good. That was good. Yeah, yeah. Moneyball, uh before, but you know, one of the in the in the in the book Moneyball, yeah, there's a lot of it was about the draft and there was one actually part where the Royals actually turned out to be better than the Oakland A's, who Billy Bean model was being uh, touted. And actually, they made fun of the Royals for drafting a high school pitcher in the first round so high in the 2002 draft. And that pitcher was Zach Grinke, who turned out to be the best player in the whole draft um, and potential maybe Hall of Fame baseball player. So, you know, and so like, so some of those money ball principles. Maybe they work over time, but they don't always work. Yeah, individually. Yeah. Uh, so maybe we'll, we can talk more about that as we get closer. But like, you want to do? You want to talk a little about uh, about the NFL? There hasn't been a whole lot of news going on. The Chiefs visited the White House uh, for their Super Bowl uh, ceremony. They met Joe Biden. Gave him a jersey. I don't really know. Biden, I think, was was a was an Eagles guy because he was from, he's from uh, Pennsylvania. But right, I think they had a good time. I don't know what I don't really know what else we want to say. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is still. You don't know where he's going. It seems less and less likely that he'll be a chief. One article that I did read that was interesting about receivers for the. I don't know if you remember this one, if you read this one or not, but. One of the Chiefs' current wide receivers, at least for the current, as in for the 2023 season, was in an uh, NFL.com top 10 list article about um, the percentage of balls that uh, are caught uh, that are thrown to him, an overexpected percentage. Yeah. And do you remember? Do you know who is the best? Uh, in the NFL, when it comes to helping a quarterback out by increasing the percentage of balls uh, thrown his way that should be caught, that actually are caught. So it's it wasn't with the Chiefs last year, though, right? It was it not was... with the Chiefs last year. So this this kind of narrows it down if you've been following yeah. the Chiefs free agent signings. Yeah, and so so it's not one of the draft the draftees then either because he had to have NFL experience. Mm-hmm. So it must be the uh, um. Well, there's only one new receiver, right? Was also from the Giants, but not Tony. So, not Tony. I, I, I'm drawing a blank on his name, though. What? Richie James was James. his name. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he was the actually the Giants' leading receiver last year, and so it seems like that. Yeah, so maybe the Chiefs. Uh, so he, I think James. It said, let's see, read the article here. Uh, his catch rate. Of balls thrown to him and catches, so he had an eighty-one point four percent catch rate, which is one of the highest in the league. His expected catch rate was only seventy point four percent, so mm-hmm. his catch rate above expected, CROE is what they call it, was eleven percent, which was the highest in the league. Above uh, George Pickens, above Mike Williams, Dallas Goddard, Cooper Cup, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Monte Smith, Stephon Diggs. And Terry McLaurin round out the top ten. So it's all people that you've heard of that are pretty good. And then it's 
Richard James, who is some people think he might not even make the team, but he he led the league yeah. in he led, he led the Giants last year in receptions. I like him better than say Justin Watson as a potential like number five, sure receiver, but maybe high. Maybe he should be higher. Maybe maybe this is why the Chiefs picked him up because he was maybe another diamond in the rough from the Giants who can't seem to figure out who their good players are. Could already yeah. have Kadarius Tony from who is our, like for a third round draft pick and like a sixth round draft pick, and he's already helped the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. And he wasn't. Just sort of a malcontent and not even starting on the Giants. So, yeah, maybe this this will be another uh, way of sticking it to the G-men. It's not really a career rejuvenation because most of these careers didn't really have a start to them to begin with, right? So, <laughs> they may have had some potential, but not really. They hadn't really shown much, I think, in their with the Giants, I guess, right? Yeah, uh, Sedaris Tony was a first round draft pick. Yeah, so there's a lot of potential, a lot of promise around him. But so he was only with the Giants a year and a little bit longer when the Chiefs got him because he was the year before Dable and the current um, management was there. But yeah, Richie James was actually he he came up with the 49ers in 2018, Mm. and then he and then he played two seasons in San Francisco, three seasons in San Francisco. And then he was didn't play at all in 2021. I'm not quite sure what happened to him. And then he played in 2022 for the Giants, 57 catches, 569 yards. Wow. And so maybe he will be, game. yeah, maybe he'll be the Juju uh, Smith-Schuster kind of short possession receiver that the Chiefs yeah. have last year. Well, I mean, if he's got that kind of, uh, you, you know, uh, you know, stat behind him, at least anyway, for being able to catch balls that aren't, he's not expected to, then maybe Mahomes will be just throwing stuff in his general vicinity and seeing if he can come down with it now, right? Yeah, yeah, could be. So, yeah, he, so I, so he was drafted by the 49ers in the seventh round in 2018. Oh. And then, in 2021, he was injured before the season started and was waived. He had a knee, knee injury, and then he signed with the, the Giants in before the 2022 season. Hmm. He's also a solid returner. He has a kickoff return, I believe, for a touchdown with the, with the 49ers. And so he's good at that as well. So maybe he'll be a turn person, although perhaps now there aren't going to be very many returns on kickoffs, especially with the, the new rules in place where you can fair catch anything yeah. bef- before um, within the 25-yard line and get the ball. We talked a little bit about that before. have more confidence in him actually, you know, catching the ball and not, you know, muffing, muffing the kicks kind of thing. Yeah, and it's something that maybe we could say, well, it's better to have maybe Richie James back there than Pacheco because one, well, it seems like Pacheco will probably be more a part of the running, um, the rush game uh, this year than the beginning. Uh, yeah. So, I, yeah, it seems like the Chiefs are, you know, I'd say in good shape at, at, on offense, even without yeah. potentially added DeAndre Hopkins, even though they don't have like a big name 
yeah. receiver. It seems like they've got some guys that could be well, pretty good. You kind of hope that Sky Moore will step up into more of a receiver, an everyday type receiver, yeah. and rather than splitting duty between receiving and returning kicks too, right? So mm-hmm. that was he didn't seem he well he had a good return at the end of the Cincinnati uh, yes. game in the AFC Championship, but other than that, he looked kind of struggled a lot all year earlier in the season. Yeah, and and he lost the Chiefs a game or two with his yeah. muffs. But yeah, I, I don't. Well, that to look forward to as the season comes closer. We still we're still several months away. Um, this weekend is the Belmont Stakes. Are you going to be watching that? I don't know. I didn't watch either the first two legs <laughs> of the Triple Crown. Uh, there's no Triple Crown threat this year. Different horses ran, won both the first two races, so. Yeah, the major one, like every national treasure won the Preakness, and Mage is not running in the Belmont. Um, national treasure is Forte, who was scratched from the Kentucky Derby. He had been the favorite before, is running. Tapa Trice coming back. Um, his brother, interesting running is his brother, whose name is Tapa Shoes. Uh, also, it was kind of a long shot. But yeah, there's a few different. Um, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it, race is kind of open. It seems like there are a few favorites and some long shots. I don't, the Belmont is the longest in distance of the Triple Crown races. It, I believe is a mile and a half, whereas the um, the uh, the Kentucky Derby is a mile and a quarter. I believe the Preakness is a mile and an eighth. Just one mile. Oh, one and eighth. Okay. I think it's one and eighth. Yeah. Nine furlongs, maybe. I'll look it up. I'm gonna look it up real quick. Um, yeah, Belmont is one and a half. Oh, it's nine and a half furlongs. It's one and three sixteenths miles as the previous. Oh. So just a hair shorter though. Just a hair shorter than the Kentucky Derby, which is um a mile and a quarter or ten furlongs. I was thinking yeah. the that was thinking the previous was nine frogs, but it's nine and a half frogs. Whereas the in the uh, Belmont is a full twelve furlongs, twenty and a half miles. Have you measured anything in a furlong? In I your... don't know that I'd ever actually associated furlong with an with an actual distance. So it's an eighth of a mile, I guess. Is that yes, yes. I, didn't, I, don't think I, I don't think I realized that until you were just talking about it right now that a furlong is an eighth of a mile. A furlong is yeah, one eighth of a mile. Did you know that also a furlong is also used when you were try- when uh, you, they were trying to calculate the area of an acre? Oh. So an an acre is officially one, there are 640 square miles, 640 acres in one square mile. Mm-hmm. But um, an acre is officially one furlong or 660 feet. Yeah. In what? length. Yeah. And it's 66 feet. In width, so it's 660 oh. feet by 60 feet. So there's strips that they're originally. I was I, I was thinking oh. that they'd be squares or something like that. They're originally measured yeah. in strips, and so a furlong 
is also equivalent to 40 poles. Okay. In, is that a uh, fence post or 40 that poles have... long? Oh, I guess I guess also known as a rod. So a rod and a pole are the same in terms of length. A rod, sometimes called a perch or a pole, it is 16 and a half feet is a rod. Sometimes called a lug too, apparently. 16 and a half feet is a rod. So there are 40 rods in a furlong. And then there are, or 40 poles in a furlong. Poles? And then there's what four poles. Yeah. So so an acre is 40 poles by four poles. What is, what is I mean, what, why that, why is it that distance? Why is a pole that distance? I, I don't know. I don't know. That's just how they, that's what, it's what I've learned from the University of Nottingham's uh, website. So I, I okay. would, I am, oh, this is, oh, this is from, uh, this is, let's see. This is from an old manuscript that they're talking about. So this is oh. okay. So this is this is like old timey distances.com is what you're what you're on right now. <laughs> yeah, I am looking at some yeah, they have some old manuscript special collections in at the University of Nottingham. And the standard is the standard linear measure in the imperial system was the mile, which was divided into furlongs, chains, yards, feet, inches, miles based on a Roman measurement of one thousand paces. Word furlong, oh, this makes more sense. Word furlong comes from a furrow long mm-hmm. or the distance that could be plowed by an ox without okay. a rest. So when they're pulling the plow, they, they could pull uh, the plow 660 feet, I guess, and then they turned around. And so I guess an acre would have been, you know, so many ups and downs. So that's why it was 660 feet when they measured it because. That's how, I guess, how long an ox could pull something. And so they needed to divide it into strips that way. So it was uh, a strip distance. So um, so it was uh, 440, uh, or 40 poles in length, one furlong in length, and four poles or 66 feet in in. The pole or a rod being six and a half, 16 and a half feet, as we said before, or uh, five and one half yards. <laughs> I love these old systems. Um, did you know that uh, how many how many barley corns are in an inch? Do you know? <laughs> no idea. There are three barley corns oh. in an inch. I didn't even know a barley corn was a unit of measurement until today. And well, didn't know that. Why? Why only divide something into just three units, though? Seems like unnecessary. Well, thirds, it's easy to divide. I don't know. Yeah, three. <laughs> well, because I guess well, it's you know before the decimal system is good, but like the foot divided by tw- in twelve inches is better if you, especially pre calculator, and it's also pre zero because you could divide twelve by. Two, three, four, or six. Uh, where you know, if you have ten, you can only divide it by two or five. So it's it's a it's a it's something that's more easily done. Um, yeah. Uh, so you can see what like, you know, base twelve was was used a lot. But there's also measurements I'm reading for um, uh, surveyors maps: a scale of chains. One chain is one hundred 
links, also equivalent to four poles, 22 yards, or 66 feet. Ten chains makes one furlong. Mm. A chain is 66 feet. Ten chains and a furlong. 80 chains in a mile or eight furlongs. There you go. That'll move the chains. That'll move the chains. (laughs) Yeah, so the NFL chain is only 10 yards. If it were a real proper English chain, it would be 22 yards. So do you think then that the... the, uh, um, that they should be, especially with you know more advanced offenses, things like that. Should uh, first downs be harder to come by? Should they maybe add a few yards here or there to the uh, the field? And so, if they made it 110 yards in length, they could yeah. have five. They could it could be five chains because that'd be 22 yards in a chain. Yeah. So you could get four first downs in the yeah, length. So like. Maybe, yeah. So yeah, so maybe you would say, um, it's up maybe maybe instead of getting four downs to get ten yards, maybe you would get five to get twenty-two yards. Yeah, that's fine. That might be something. Be yeah, I think the Chiefs would do very well in a system. Yeah, like that. But, but it would encourage more like trying to get chunks of yards instead of shorter plays. Well, the Canadian football field. He's already 110 yards yeah. long. And they have 20, yes. 20 yard end zones. Right. If they were really metric, if they were really old time, it would be 22 yard end zones. Yeah. But. So, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll petition the NFL and the CFL to adopt a 22 yard chain measurement. Yes. And, and going back to area now. So. So the uh, acre, the idea behind an acre was it was the area that uh, be plowed by a team of eight oxen in one day, suppose. Hmm. So one furlong in length by four poles or rods wide. And then one hide was the area deemed to be able to support a typical peasant family plowed in a year by a team of eight oxen it was about 120 acres so that would be there's 600 uh so 120 acres uh would be about a fifth of a square mile yeah well about a you see a five and a th- you'd have five and a third hides Right, five and a third hides per square mile. Yeah, hide is also made up of eight ox gangs or bovates, <laughs> or four vergets. There's a there's a um, I'm looking at a 1642 set of land records where meadow ground is given in acres, but arable land that had to be plowed is given in. Ox gangs. So, <laughs> ox gangs of arable. It says Thomas Hall is given half an ox gang. For half an ox gang, he paid, it looks like six shillings for the ox gang, for, to rent, maybe. Hmm. For, and for one whole ox gang, you could rent for 12 shillings. 
quarter box game for three shillings. And that was also when um, the pound had 240 pence because there were 12 pence in one shilling. In a shilling, there were 20 shillings in a pound. So, yeah, you know all this stuff. So there's 144 square inches in a square foot, nine square feet in a square yard, 30 and one-fourth square yards in a perch, 40 perches per rood, four roods in an acre, 640 acres a square mile. <laughs> yes. We're going to have to work these in to future episodes now, too, right? And he wanted to rent... Uh, you could rent four acres and a half, which would be um, 18 roods, I believe, for three pounds, three shilling. If you wanted to do half of that, you could get two acres and three roods or one pound, 18 shillings and six. Does that sound like a good price? Would you go for that right now? Sure, for now, yeah, I would. This was 1642, so that's probably pretty yeah. good. But we've really gone off uh, <laughs> tangent. But it's allowed us to, uh, on a slow news news week, I guess it's allowed us to learn uh, some good things about the old customary system of measurements, something that's gone a little bit by the wayside with the advent of the metric system. Do you think, since you're a scientist, Dr. Scaff, do you think the British customary or imperial system in any way is superior to the metric system in, in any type of measurement or is the metric the way to go for everything yeah i mean i think metric is probably what we should just adopt as our regular system anyway so it's, it seems like much easier to to like just think about everything in terms of tens what about things... what about in terms of what about fahrenheit temperature versus celsius temperature do you think we should measure our temperatures in celsius our our daily living temperatures or just the numbers are easier to remember in metric. <laughs> so like what 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 thing like freezing and boiling and room temperatures are all very easy to remember in metric. Zero, twenty-five, and a hundred. So those are pretty simple. Yeah, you had about twenty to twenty-five for room temperature. Yeah, twenty is about sixty-eight. Twenty-five yeah. is about seventy-seven. That's a little hot for a room temperature. Yeah. I, would, I would typically say room temperature is twenty-five degrees, but that's hot. Is um that's what that's what you use for like your um like um uh like gas laws and stuff like that you should just assume okay. 25 because 30 30 degrees celsius is 86 fahrenheit yeah and you just add nine for each five and five nine f minus 32 right or nine fifths f plus 32 if you convert it see i i, I for for daily temperature living I, yeah. I think the fair i think the fahrenheit scale is better because I feel like really because that go that because that kind of goes from zero to a hundred. Yeah. That's it's because in at least in North America, 32 is cold, but it's not like it's zero cold. And like yeah. you would think that's like where where water's freezing, like like you have a lot of negatives that you're gonna be using pretty yeah. often in Celsius temperature scales. And if you're gonna be using those all a lot, why not just make it positive? I think because like if you go to, if you watch like European forecasts like 
everything is like, oh, it's between 10, 10 to 20 or 10 to 25. Yeah. It's all it's all that small area. It's, where it's, it's very like, confined to a small. I think having the, like, I feel like, oh, it's the 50s or the 60s or 70s out. That's, I think that's, I think that's better. So I, I would say I agree with you in terms of most measurements, I think are good with, especially scientific ones. Are, yeah. are, are good with the metric system, but I do like the Fahrenheit temperature when it comes to daily living. We're not going to convert to that, though. I mean, we're no one's going to the the switchover would be like basically impossible at this point. I think so. I think it's funny that we use metric for certain things, like if we're measuring uh, soda pop that's in liters. Yes, but it's right. in ounces if it's a can, but it's liters if it's in a right um, if it's in a big bottle. That's very weird. Yeah, we switch back and forth. Just to keep everybody on their toes. Yeah. So, do you think then? So, the Olympics, you know, measure distances in meters. Do you think the American football uh, field will ever be converted? No, never. Meter. No. Even if even if there was a team in Germany or France, would would do you think they would be allowed to have um, a one hundred meter field? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I guess football yeah. doesn't want uh, the different like in baseball. I think they, I think they wouldn't uh, care quite as much. But that's, yeah. I guess, I guess they have the, they have the same distance between the bases and things like that. But ninety feet, right? I think, I think the, um, I think international soccer still has to use feet and yards because that's the way the English FA did it. I think maybe they can, maybe they convert it to meters or whatever. But it's still the six yard box they call it. It's not like the five, right? meter box or something so it's so yeah. in sports i guess i guess the uh the old distances in some of the sports uh the old distances work although there are we don't have the mile like there's no longer like there's not like a mile run in the olympics it's like 1500 you know 100 meter dash right uh, we don't have an olympics coming up until next summer you know where the 2024 olympics is on the top of your head hmm. nope i don't remember yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be in Paris. Oh, so yeah, the home a... of the original metric system. This was uh, it. They, it was developed out of the French Revolution because they wanted to do away with the old imperial kingly units of a foot, supposedly you know, uh, coming from like you know Charlemagne's foot or something like that. Right. We want instead uh, this scientific metric system. And so we're, you know, so it all it all circles back, uh, uh, doesn't it? I I don't, I don't really have any more more to add uh, this week. Do you, uh, do, do you, Doctor Scaff? No, I don't think so. <laughs> and you know, was, you know, we the warning track power hour is in is a sixty, so we're still in the old measurements for time, uh, right. since we have sixty minutes and sixty seconds, and we haven't we haven't divided hours into one hundred minutes and. Yeah, a hundred no second, seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe that's maybe, maybe. fractional seconds to get divided into. That's true. That's true. Yeah. It, it seems a little weird because, well, you know, why not be consistent? You know, it's it's, but it's it's but it's better than it was prior to the advent of um, modern clocks. When they're in an hour, 
Um, most days were divided. They were still divided in 24 hours, but daylight was divided in 12 hours. Night was also divided into 12 hours. So in the summer, the daylight hours were long and the night hours were short. And then those nice. opposite would, would uh, in. Um, so they'd have a different number of minutes, winter. right? I, I don't know. They don't think they really calculated the minutes very much. Or yeah. if they did, it was the minutes were longer too. Yeah. And because they just calculate, because like they did it like, so they knew when noon was. That's when the sun yeah. highest peak. And then sunrise, sunset, and they divided that. The midpoint of, between sunrise and sunset would be noon. Six hours. Yeah. And so, like, most of the time was it was monastic calculations. And they would ring the bell at each hour or whatever. So then you would go do whatever you needed to, you know, pray or work in the field or sleep yeah. or whatever. But yeah, it was. That's that's how they, that's how it used to be. You miss those days. Should we go back to those days. Um, I kind of I think uh, in some ways it would be good because we'd be we wouldn't be as beholden to the march of time. You know, I guess nothing would get done at the right time. You couldn't yeah. have meetings. You couldn't do this. You couldn't go to work. You know, like, like everybody would be on a different schedule as well because the sun is slight, sunset and noon and things like that would be slightly different. Yes. Each, you know, everywhere. So that's why standard time was developed uh, because railroads and things like that had to ship goods from one place to another. And well, you want to know what time your thing, your shipment arrives and well, you know, is it noon London time or is it noon Birmingham time or something like that? Or, you know, and but it's when you were walking minutes. or on foot or whatever, it didn't really matter what time it was because you got there when you got to the next town, it was, you know, a few hours later anyway. So, like, if you're off by a few minutes, who cares? Um, yeah. You just, yeah. So, but we've been uh, rambling for several minutes uh, on this topic, many minutes, whether we're in the winter or the summer. It's, it's, nighttime here but it'll probably be daytime when uh most of our listeners will be listening to the one track or unless they needed to uh fall asleep uh <laughs> which some of our listeners probably do for uh to cure their insomnia but which if so i, th I think our i think our time discussion and our measurement discussion might provide relief but for us, we found it very stimulating. But you know, others might other, their mileage might vary. They don't have they don't what so what what is the term for mileage in like metric? They don't have a kilometer like you know you, you know is there a, you have kilometers per hour kilometers per liter I guess but there's no like single word right that mm. can describe yeah, it just be, just be a distance in, right yeah in English yeah. We just have more words for things that we don't need. Yeah. <laughs> Here, I guess, right? Kilometrich. You should start using that. Yeah. Tonnage. Is there a... I guess they, still, they have tons in the metric system. They still There's use... a British ton, too, yeah. That's a thousand kilograms, I think. Or there is a thousand kilograms. Uh, I think, yeah. In the, in the British Imperial Gallon, I believe, is four liters right now so yeah uh, there's different gallons different pints and stuff so it all it's all um because those changed i think i think we adopted our gallon in the united states 
from an earlier, like seven, 17, early 18th century English version of the gallon. And then in the early 19th century, the English developed a different type of gallons. So and their gallons are bigger than our gallons. That's why their pints of beer are bigger than our pints of beer. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we don't need to talk about that. We're, we're really going on and on and on. So uh, just, to, just to end things, should we conclude this week's Morning Trek Power Hour? I think so. <laughs> Dr. Scott has been waiting to include this for many minutes, but we've been rambling on anyway. Um, hopefully, uh, you will uh, ramble on to a, a fabulous week, uh, dear listeners, and enjoy the uh, fruits of the NBA Finals, the Stanley Cup Finals, the Major League Baseball season, the Belmont Stakes before we meet again and uh, next week. And as always, I am Dr. Michael Lerman. He is Dr. Andrew Scaff. We are the Warning Track Power Hour. Please like and or subscribe to our podcast slash YouTube channel. And we will uh, see you again next week. But until then, good day. <laughs>